Welcome to the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite, hosted by me, Coach Ben Rosario, featuring the Hoka NAZ Elite athletes, and from time to time, a special guest from the world of running. We talk training and racing, but we also just talk, and we go way deeper than just running. The Midday Treat is your chance to get to know us as people, so follow along and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And now, check out this episode of the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. Hey everybody, welcome to the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite podcast. This is a special edition because we are going to highlight our partnership with the Big Sur Marathon coming up this April. Uh, As part of that partnership, uh, we are going to be and already have been communicating with Big Sur VIPs and the folks who are doing the Boston to Big Sur program via their Facebook pages, uh, via their newsletter. We're going to be in, uh, in Monterey Bay that weekend doing some activation. Uh, That'll be myself, that'll be Stephanie Bruce, and that'll be Ben Bruce, who's sitting next to me here. Now, not only will will Ben be uh, there race weekend doing some Q&As, being at the expo, meeting meeting people who are running Big Sur, etc., he will be joining those folks on the line at Big Sur on April 23rd. Yep. Only six days after running the Boston Marathon. So Ben is going to participate in the Boston to Big Sur program. Ben, tell everybody watching, because of course we're going to uh, send this out to the the Big Sur folks, but also to our community at large, what is Boston to Big Sur? So Boston to Big Sur simply is running Boston Marathon and coming back six days later and running the Big Sur Marathon. And um, there has been a few years where you get an extra week on the dates, but usually it's you race Boston on Monday, you race Big Sur on Sunday, and they're both hilly courses, both iconic courses uh, for different reasons. Uh, and yeah, and see what you can can do. Now, when was the last full marathon that you ran? Um, I guess it would have been Marathon Project, I think. Um, so you were pacing there, but you did finish the race. I did, and then a week, a month. Or a month or so, two months after, I paced the 100K. So I ran 50K of Jim Wombley's 100K world record attempt. Got so it. that was the longest run I've done. So but those were both very flat courses. Very flat courses, So yeah. this is a different challenge. Yes. And you're not uh, totally new to running a lot of marathons in a short period of time. You won five rock and roll marathons in one year in 2014. Yes. How do you think this challenge compares to that one? Uh, probably just the proximity of how close the races are. Um, when I did those, like I think the last three of my rock and rolls were like 50 days apart. So I did have some rest between them. Um, almost like able to like regroup and train a little bit. This will just be more like you, you get ready for the whole, it's almost like it's combined in one in one thing where the other ones I could race a marathon, take a little downtime, get ready for the next one. This is like, the training is kind of towards that goal of, I'm almost looking at it as like more of like an ultra that's like broken up with like five days rest. Um, so the tricky part is trying to run Boston, putting up a pretty good time, but not running so hard that I'm like really wrecked. Like if you run a marathon all out, you're not looking to run one the next week. So that's, that's kind of the tricky spot is finding where, where do you, where do you find that effort? How about the age difference? 
<laughs> I actually think I probably am more prepped to run something like this being older than in 2014 when I ran all the rock and rolls. Um, at that point, some of those actually were getting hard because of the distance because I was still running, I was still more of a track athlete and running shorter distances where now I've done a lot more like volume, um, not necessarily like weekly mileage, but a lot more runs where I've run like a lot more 20, 20 plus mile runs than when I was 35, 34 years old. So probably a little help there, but, uh, but I also haven't run many hilly marathons, so we'll see. Now, based on where you are right now, um, how many weeks out are we? I should know this. Uh, eight, eight to ten weeks out, somewhere in that I range. I think it's seven to. Is it? Is Boston. it already down to seven to Boston? Yeah, because um, I, I think about that because, because next this Saturday, well, you have Stefan Kellen and the and Alex and Matt running the ten k, so that's going to be. That's that's maybe seven weeks from Boston. Okay, okay. So you're seven weeks six, from Boston, eight seven, weeks from Big Sur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as you sit here today, seven, eight weeks out from this challenge, what are you thinking you can run at both events, and how does that stack up with what people have done before? Well, of course, a lot goes into Boston. Uh, I mean, you, you can't deny that weather plays Boston. If I had a nice little tailwind, I think I could maybe put something in like the mid 220s there. Um, if I have a little bit of headwind, maybe I'd go a little closer to 230. Uh, but yeah, you can't really bank on that. But uh, I would say that I think Mike Wardian has the OR record of 451. Um, and I think he was about 40, 41. So similar, similar in age, because it was a five or six years ago that he did this. And I think he went 223 at Boston, 227 at Big Sur. So kind of something in there, but as I said, I can't force Boston and not be able, I'd like to be able to re really give it a good effort at Big Sur, so I gotta be careful with Boston. Yeah, so it's in my mind, that, that, that Boston Big Sur record's there, but I'm, if Boston's bad conditions, I'm not gonna force it 222 and then be wrecked for the next sure. week, so. Well, our partnership with Big Sur, a lot of what it entails is engaging with people who are running Big Sur at all ability levels. But what you're doing, uh, particularly when you think about the other Boston to Big Sur participants, and I think there's in the neighborhood of 400 of you crazy people, yeah. what, what is your advice over these next seven to eight weeks to those folks uh, in terms of how to prepare, what to expect, because a lot of them are doing it for the first time, as you are. Mm -hmm. And so, so what is your recommendation or, or some little tips for, for those folks? Number one, pretty obvious, you gotta get on some hills. Uh, I mean, Boston's known for having a lot of hills. It drops, I think, 1,100, 1,200 feet and, and gains about 800. Big Sur is almost double that. So you're gonna run Boston, which is hilly, and then you're gonna have to run Big Sur, which is even more hilly. So training, you know, on a, if you're on a treadmill, training the ups, that's okay, but you really gotta get on some downhill. Um, so find a road, find some place that you can get on some, some of that. If you live in a really flat area, you might even wanna try to go to like a stadium or something and just walk up and down the stairs a little bit, because if you're not ready for those downs, you're gonna be in trouble. So I think that's a big one. And then next, I think is asking yourself like, what is your overall goal? Do you want to race Boston and come back in Big Sur and just enjoy the scenery? Or do you want to do the opposite? Or are you looking for like the best overall time? I would, I would think if you're looking for the best overall time, I would say take what fitness you think you're on. If, if you think you're in three hour marathon shape, I would add about three to four minutes per hour. So maybe try to run 310, 315 at Boston so that you have a chance, a better chance to recover. Um, 
So those would be my two, I guess, main points. So let's look forward to Boston Marathon Monday. Now it's going to be very unique for you as compared to others because not only are you racing, but your wife Stephanie is racing. And ideally you're going to need to recover as soon as possible. But what if she runs really great? You're not going to want to recover. <laughs> you're going to want to celebrate. But yeah. let, let's just imagine, let's, let's forget about Steph for one second, though we'll get back to her. What, what do you need to do? I'm not saying you will do this, but what should yeah. you do uh, immediately post-race and the rest of that day after Boston to make sure you're as, as recovered as possible or, or that you start that recovery process um, as soon as possible so that you can be ready for Big Sur? Well, I would want to enjoy the day at Boston. I don't think that um, I want to get so caught up in like, oh, I finished Boston and it's like recovery time. I want to, you know, enjoy the atmosphere, um, you know, have a lunch, have some something that's a little bit of a splurge. Um, but then, like, I think the day after is really focused on, like, you know, checking in with yourself, uh, fueling back up. Uh, some light movement would probably be really nice like going on a walk or maybe like maybe even like a very short easy 10 or 15 minute jog just to get some blood flowing um, so those would be the main things but yeah I don't want to like get so focused on like oh I have to race in six six days again um, and not enjoy being in Boston which is an amazing weekend I mean you're around Boston that Saturday Sunday and even after the race it's just a buzz so I think enjoy that but then kind of the next day where maybe after a traditional marathon you'd kind of just be a lump on the log maybe do a little bit of a little bit of walking around moving around I got you and and what is your travel gonna look like in between those two races it'll be kind of hectic because we'll have the boys in Boston so um, we'll we will fly back to Flagstaff Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, get the boys in school for a couple days but then we'll head right back out to Monterey most likely that Thursday so the kids might only the kids are gonna miss some school so they're gonna like that um, but yeah it'll be travel and then regroup and, and and go and I even though sometimes it feels pointless to come back home for like a night or two it does it does feel nice to sort of like sleep in your own bed a couple nights and, and regroup um, yeah but then back to over to Monterey which is awesome because I've I've raced the Big Sur half uh, a bunch of times and uh, yeah, I love being in that area, so I look forward to going back. Yeah, well, let's talk Big Sur course for a minute. I, not to uh, dismiss Boston, we can come back to that in a second, but for for our partnership with Big Sur, of course, we're, we're talking to everybody that's running Big Sur, not just the people who are doing Boston to Big Sur. So I went out to the course a, a couple of years ago. I think it was 2019, actually, the fall of 19, as we were prepping for this partnership. And I drove the entire course, all 26.2 miles, and I took notes. The first note I have um, is uh, there's actually a sign uh, right off the highway that, there that says hills and curves next uh, <laughs> next uh, 63 miles or whatever it is. Um, so it is a very hilly, very curvy road, but very beautiful along the ocean. Yep. Um, so... You know, some of the notes I have uh, are just that you're going to see these gigantic downhills. I, I, I know around mile eight, there's one that reminded me a lot of the first mile of Boston, where it's just straight down. Mm -hmm. When you see a, a, a mile like that or a stretch of road like that ahead of you, how do you approach it? Yeah, I, I've um, driven the course basically backwards because one year that I ran... Big Sur half uh, when I was living in San Luis Obispo uh, after I graduated from Cal Poly uh, I decided to just take the coast 
home instead of taking the regular highway. Um, which I kind of regretted because I had a stick shift truck and I was like had just raced a half, so shifting a but but to the point I was have shifting second gear, third gear, fourth. So I was like, this is a hilly, rolling road. Yeah. Um, and I also know that the um, the Tour de California has used some of this stretch of the road um, for for their cycling race. And uh, but yeah, if you're seeing a big downhill like that, especially early in a marathon. I don't think let's bake some bank some time. I think let's just try to let this mile be as smooth as it can be without hitting the brakes. So you don't want to hit the brakes and run, run slow, but you just want to try to be as smooth as you can running that downhill because um, those are going to add up on the quads. I, I have a note here that they're, they're on some of the uphills, you'll have what we call a false flat where you think you've reached the top but you still have to go up. Yeah. So what what is the strategy on an uphill? Yeah, it's it's kind of similar to the down, but you are going to give some time away. Yeah. So yeah, if your goal is is let's say you're going to run a flat marathon in 8 minute pace is your goal on a hilly course like this, you're not going to go down in 7:30 and up in 8:30 to average that 8. That's right. You might go down in 7.45, but your up might be nine minutes. And, and so this, you can't be worried that if you give away some time on that and, and you just got to cover it, uh, not let your heart rate go crazy. Um, and yeah, when you hit those false flats, it's kind of a bummer because you think you've crested and it might be a little while till you get the break to go down. Um, but yeah, I think the marathon is all about just trying to keep the effort very similar. Um, but when there's some steep hills, it's going to get hard for a little bit, but you'll know you'll have some down, so. Well, you know, I think about effort and cadence, right? Because some people see an uphill and they want to attack it. Mm -hmm. I would say that is not the way to go, which is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, if you're running a 5K and there's like a little hill, you, you attack it. But in a marathon, um, I mean, it's okay if your heart rate goes up some because you're going to get it down. And it's not going to crush your legs. But if you attack that thing, um, I think it's just wasted energy and you're not really going to get as much time back as, as you think. So am I hearing that you really, at Big Sur, should be less worried about splits than just about any marathon you would do? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at the course profile, like they're, the first four or five miles are gonna be faster than yeah. what you're gonna run. Yeah. Um, but if you make them too fast, you're just, you're just crushing your legs when they don't need to be crushed. Um, but then there's that stretch, I think like 10 to 12, where for two straight miles, it's a huge you're up. just climbing. 10 to 12, you're just climbing. climbing. 12 so, to 13, big down. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I think you just gotta just pay attention to where your, your effort's at and, and being careful not to just slam down the downhills and crushing your legs. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I would throw splits out the window. I guess if you wanna get really into the course profile, you could try to break the course up into stuff, but I think I think it's even hard because you don't you're not going to know from ten to twelve exactly how much to adjust. I mean it it's a significant climb. Uh, it's it's much more everything in the Big Sur course I think is just a little more dramatic than what Boston. Oh yeah, gives you. no no question, just and that's why you steep, end up with yeah. those overall numbers. They're almost are, double. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. I, I have down here. We're kind of taking everybody through the race here. You know, you've got that downhill start. You're undulating after the first four. Then you hit that. There's I. I Honestly, you also might want to be prepared. There's usually a headwind. Yeah. Uh, normal years, uh, uh -huh. it's a headwind, uh, which is not not necessarily fun either. Um, then you've got the big up at 10 to 12, the big down 12 to 13. From 13 to 17 is actually a pretty nice stretch, but it's very quiet. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be any spectators there, which may be something to prepare for mentally. And then you hit... <laughs> 
uh, as if 10 to 12 wasn't hard enough, 21 is, is arguably the hardest part of the course because you have another giant climb, another giant down, and now you're 21 miles in yeah. instead of 10 to 12. Yep. And, and so I, I don't think there's any magic preparation for that section other than two things. Mentally know it's coming. Yep. You don't want to be surprised by it. And then physically, you know, in training, I think, as you said, you want to find downs and ups, but you also want to find them in the right spot in the run, right? So if, mm -hmm. on your longest run, on your most specific Big Sur uh, marathon preparation run, that should be hilly yeah. and there should be hills late in the run. Yeah, and a good example of that is a workout um, that I took part of with Kellen and Steph a couple weeks ago. And yes, Boston and Big Sur are similar in this fact, but we did just that. They did a 22 miler, the first 10, super flat, but the last 10 was really hilly for about six or seven miles. And then the last three, big drop. Yep. So they're getting used to running those big drops later mm -hmm. um, in the workout. And, um, and that was the type of workout where the first 10 was flat and also had an easy effort. And then the last, so you kind of fatigue your legs a little bit, then the last 10 really get some hills, get some downhills, get some uphills increase the effort more to around marathon effort. And um, yeah, you're, you're kind of getting a lot of bang for your buck because you're not trying to run the whole 20 miles hard, but the last 10 when you've already run 10 really is gonna kind of simulate what you're gonna feel like late in the marathon. Perfect. Uh, and then, yeah, don't worry. You know, the last mile is fun. You get a little little yeah. tiny uh, up, little <laughs> tiny down. That's the time to fly Hoka final mile. Uh, so you'll get to experience that. And that's, you know, I think what Ben said here was great for anybody listening that's that's doing Big Sur. Uh, he gave you some great tips on how to prepare over these last few weeks, um, some great mental tips for the race itself, uh, and just, just gave you a little bit about what to expect. So let's talk now about um, your wife, Steph, who's running Boston, as we mentioned, and, and she'll be at Big Sur as an ambassador, and you'll get a chance to meet her if you're there at the, at the uh, race weekend, uh, certainly at the expo. and. Uh, maybe a couple of other times we're still working on the itinerary for the weekend. Uh, but let's talk about her preparation for Boston and uh, how you think she's looking. Yeah, she's looking great. Um, as if me doing the Boston of Big Sur was already like, okay, a little craziness in the Bruce household. Well, she's also taken on a very, um, I would say, non-traditional lead up to Boston. Um, yeah. But as people may, know, may or may not know, this is going to be her final year of competing professionally. Um, and so she's really packed on a full schedule. She's yeah. going to be racing a 10K on the track, then the New York City Half Marathon, and then Boston. Uh, but I think at her age, um, she's you know seasoned, so she knows how to handle all that stuff. She knows maybe one of the races in the lead-up might not go amazing, but um, she's just really piling on the work right now. And she's been she's been looking really good. I mean, there's been workouts where. You know, if I'm having a good day pacing, I I can feel mostly controlled. But lately, with with Kellen and stuff, sometimes I'm like, you guys just go ahead. They're like crushing it, and yeah. um, so that's a good sign. Yeah, it is a good sign. She was dropping you up the big hill the other day. Yeah, I think she just you know it was just a long run that didn't have any set paces, and I but I think you know she's got Boston on her mind, and, and she was telling me on that run. One thing that's really helped her right now is knowing that a lot of these things she's doing this year will be like the last time she'll do it, the last yeah. time she'll race Boston in the professional field. And so I think it, it's like helping her in training to be like, if I'm in a little bit of discomfort right now, that's okay because like this is like she's relishing all of these 
the discomfort right now because she's she knows it's a, it's not going to be for a lot a lot longer um so i think she was just in more of like an attack mindset and i was out there and i was pretty tired and i was just like you go ahead and then um she circled back at the top of the hill to get me which i was like oh you just come back till you can drop me again but uh, yeah it <laughs> you out. did stop early you yeah i did stop early. early but that was yeah that's where my mileage is at i don't want to be stupid and run 22 when I'm not ready for it. That's right. There's another good tip. Um, so when when you guys as a couple uh, think about this year and then, well, I think, I, let me rephrase that. You, you seem to have this year planned out because this is her final year as a professional athlete. She's obviously got a lot of races on the docket. Um, you're helping with that in, in a number of different ways. But then, of course, you guys have these things that you're thinking about for the future. So two questions. How is this Boston to Big Sur, if at all, um, a preview of the kind of things you're going to be doing moving forward? And then what are some of the things that the Bruces have on, on the docket uh, as far as entrepreneurial uh, endeavors uh, as you move forward past Steph's professional career? Yeah, Steph and I are, you know, obviously very different in a lot of ways. She, I think, is very able to like, all right, I had this career and when she's done professional running, she'll still go out and runs, but we would like to have another kid at some point. And I think when she does that, she's already come back from two pregnancies and she's not looking to like come back and compete at a high level. I know she'll still enjoy running. We'll still be in the running world. We're both like running nerds on that aspect that we love the community. We love being in the running world, but she's able to like, just be like, okay, I had my career. I'm done. I'll enjoy it. Where I'm kind of the like lifer. And I'm turning 40 in September, so I'm kind of like, oh, Matt, you know, everyone's like, Masters is like a whole nother thing. And I have people yanking at me and try to be like, get me in the ultra world, like some of these like more like road ultras and different yeah. things like that. So I know I'll probably end up just getting sucked into a lot more of kind of events like this. The things that I've had looked at in my career when I was running track, but I'm like, that doesn't, that's part of the reason I never did this because it was always right in the middle of track season. And so I couldn't, I couldn't justify going and running the big sort of marathon when I'm Two months later, I need to be running a steeplechase That's right. at the USA Championship. So, um, so I would see me doing a lot of, you know, stuff like that. This enjoying the sport, still pacing races, pacing the team, um, and then from like our entrepreneurial standpoint, we have our our annual Bruce Camp that we do every summer. We'll continue to do that. That's usually in August. Um, Steph's really been wants to kick up her doing more uh, women's retreats. Um, they've just been really. I think life-changing to the women that come, but also to Stephanie, because you have these small, like, five to ten women that are, you know, come in, they don't know each other, and they really just kind of break each other down and, like, just kind of question, like, what are they getting out of life? What do they want to do? Um, so I think those have really been, like, uh, it's, like, rewarding in a way, because you, you just think, oh, we'll put on this camp, people will come, and then you realize, like, how much it can change them um, or just kind of, like, kickstart them to do something maybe they never wanted to do or, or always wanted to do but just haven't quite done it yet so um, a lot of that stuff and Steph's always scheming new ideas and um, so we have a list of stuff from like you know running retreats where we host people here in Flagstaff and we're kind of interactive but also let them uh, sort of train and see the trails here and the, the, the courses that we run for our workouts so we got a lot of stuff so we're trying to put some of that on the back burner until stuff finishes this season uh, the end of 2022 but um but yeah, we're just a lot of different things, but that's that's how we do it. <laughs> and where can people find out about the camps and the retreats? Is that on the Running with the Bruce's website? Yeah, so Steph 
Steph's website, stephbruce.com, has a lot of this stuff, especially for like the grit and growth retreats. Okay. Um, and then uh, running with the Bruces is where we have stuff like more on like our coaching and like the adult camp. Got um, it. And then you can always uh, find like our contact info or even just message us through you know different social platforms, and we can put you on an email list. Um, so we always send stuff out. Anyone that's ever come to our Bruce camp, we we give them first dibs on um, information and stuff like that. So we're we're getting those dates finalized and they'll be on the website when they're ready. Perfect. Yeah, we'll put those website addresses in our show notes. Uh, we're on YouTube here and we're doing this um, on all the various podcast outlets as well. So people can either see this or listen to this. But we'll make sure in the notes that we uh, put where they can find those things for, for you guys uh, moving forward. Uh, okay, finally... I think this would just be fun to spend a couple of minutes on the Boston Marathon for just uh, regular fans, not all, not only the big surf folks, uh, but but just fans of the sport in general. So, what do you think uh, from your running nerd? Uh, put your running nerd hat on, uh, as you usually have it on, anyway. Yep. Uh, what do you think about this year's Boston fields, particularly on the women's side, where we have Stephanie competing and Kellen competing? Yeah, I Kellen mean, Taylor. If you're a fan of the sport. This is just like a dream come true because with uh, London deciding to stay in the fall this year and who knows what their plans are going forward, usually you have Boston and London close together, two majors, so you have two really good fields. This year, a lot of the pros that would have gone to London, they're like, oh, there's no London in the spring, and so they're like trying to get into Boston. So yeah, it's I, I feel for the coordinators at Boston because... Every, it seemed like every single person that runs marathons uh, was trying to get into Boston this year. You're hearing stories of, uh, you know, like two twenty nine, two thirty women just like begging for a bit just to get into That's the race. Right. That's um, right. So, so yeah, you're gonna have. It's like one of those fields you you can't even start to break down how many good marathoners are in it. Yeah, you have um, seven athletes yeah. who have run under two twenty, uh, but but more than that, you have. Paris Jepcher, who of course is the Olympic champion, reigning Olympic champion, reigning New York City Marathon champion. You've got so many of the top Americans, including Molly Seidel, who's bronze medalist at uh, the Olympic Games, fourth in New York. Uh, like we said, Kellen and Steph, but you've also got Des Linden, his former Boston champion, Sarah Hall, who's second fastest U.S. Uh, marathon or third fastest now of all time. Um, you got several top athletes from. Uh, you know, basically all across the world. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it's setting up on the women's side to be one of the best Boston marathons ever. And I think you're seeing more parity than ever in a lot of these races where uh, it's coming down to the last few miles and you don't yeah. know who's going to win. Is that what you see this time? Well, and I think what makes Boston, I think, great is it's, it is so unpredictable. Some years, yeah, there's a small group that goes out really hard and it it's down to like less people early but a lot of times we've seen Boston it's just a huge group that just slowly gets whittled down because everyone if you're being smart about it they're respecting the hills too because if, if you follow the sport you've seen the years where yeah. someone goes out a group goes out hard and they just pay the price um, yeah. and what's also great you look at the start list for Boston and yes there's all the sub 220 women but those were run on flat pancake courses mm -hmm. so some of them will transfer that over and run great at Boston some will be a 219 marathoner, but they'll go to Boston, and Boston will eat them up. Yep. Um, so what's great about that is it, it puts 225, 226, 227 women, if they've prepared well for Boston, all of a sudden they're in the mix. Yep. And we've seen that a lot of times. There always seems to be like one or two surprises at Boston where you're just like, I just did not see that coming. Um, and I just think that's a lot different than 
a very flat, fast-paced marathon, which are great. It's great to go out and run a fast time, but Boston's just not that because you could you could have a tailwind and it could be lightning fast. You could have a headwind and it could be you know two twenty eight could win the women's race. That's you right. Just, you just have no idea. So. That's right. Or or two two. 39 or whatever it was yeah, with Desmond. Desmond no, I don't yeah. think that we don't we yeah. don't think that will happen again. That was a well, that, was, that was a weird one. That was a little crazy. And how and last question, how will you keep up to date during the race when you're running the race on what Steph is doing cuz I can't remember other than a race where you've maybe participated in in the pacing um, I can't remember a marathon where you ran it competitively and she ran it competitively. Yeah, not not a marathon. Um well, a few years back when she ran CAM, like a, a month after New York, I was racing CAM That's as well. right, okay. Uh, we all started together, but I, I blew up that day. Yeah. And I remember just like around like 22, 23 miles when I was really just like, oh man, the legs are done. And I'm like, I just have to keep going so I can get there before Steph so I can see her finish. That's right. Um, so I remember I was asking, I, I think like you and Josh were like a mile to go or half mile to go and I was asking how Steph was doing. And um, yeah, so I did make it to the finish line before she did that day, but not by very much. Um, so this will be interesting because yeah, starting, she'll start before me. So I'll basically just need people on the course to tell me how fast she's running and then just try to run a little bit faster than she is. Yeah. No, so uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. I think we can go to the start together um, and kind of be there. And then with Boston, you don't really get to see much on the course anyways. Yep. And so it'll just be, I'll just have to wait on her results for a little bit till I finish. Unless someone on the course can can yell at me. Yeah, uh, if you're out there, feel free, to, feel free to give Ben some uh, intel. Yeah. So probably around 22 miles in, 23 miles in, she should be finishing because I shouldn't make up any time on her. I think she should run about as fast as I do that day. There you go. So we might have a battle, an intra-family battle. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks, Ben. Thanks for doing this. Uh, to everyone running Big Sur and to everyone, everyone running Boston to Big Sur, good luck. Uh, we will continue to be in touch and uh, talk to you guys via the Facebook pages and talk to you guys via the uh, newsletter as we get closer and closer to Big Sur and, and to Boston. So thanks a lot. Yeah. See you. Good luck, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. I'm Addison Rosario, Coach Ben's daughter. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NAZ underscore Elite. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter on NAZElite.com and stay tuned for the next episode of the Midday Treat with NAZ Elite. Mm-hmm.